Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell, lead pastor at James River Church. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. We're at the start of a fast for you new today. We're in the middle of a, a 21-day fast. We, we haven't had quite a week pass by. It'll be a week on Tuesday. You say, who's counting? I am. I can't wait. Uh, no, seriously, I'm enjoying the fast, but at the same time, uh, Fasting involves sacrifice, right? And we have at your seat a Let It Rain card that's got some things to consider during fasting, some promises that'll encourage you, some a prayer list that we're all joining together asking God to do, and then ways to fast. I want to encourage you to take a moment and to look through that, to think about what it is God is calling you to do and how he wants to uh, work in your life through that time. Some are doing the Daniel fast. Some are doing a liquid-only fast. Some are doing a a one or two meals a day fast. Let me just encourage you, outside of, of medical impossibility, a fasting, a fast, biblically speaking, involves abstaining from food. It involves saying no to the things we like and the thing we need to see God do in our life the thing we really want. And if you're here and you've been here for a while, you know the power of fasting. Some of you maybe were on vacation last week or have been this week. Maybe some thought, I'm not going to fast. I'm not going to do it this time. Let me just say, the next two weeks could be the most important two weeks of your life. There are some things that only happen when you and I fast. When we fast, we go from knowing God's resume to personally experiencing his power. We move from hearing the noise of the world around us to hearing the voice of God. We move from spiritual bondage to spiritual breakthrough. And let me just say this, there's nothing magical about fasting, but there is something very biblical about fasting. Fasting fast-tracks our prayers. Fasting is the difference between the best we can do and experiencing what only God can do. And I've never seen a time when I've fasted personally or the church has fasted corporately that we haven't seen God do miraculous things. You're worshiping today, I would suggest, on every campus that we have. You're worshiping on ground that was acquired through a fast. That's true at Joplin. That's true at the West Campus. That's true at the North Campus. That's true at this campus. The family that owned this land had owned it since before the Civil War. When we needed to move and relocate, we looked at six pieces of ground and nobody would sell to us, including the people who owned this land. Debbie and I went, we met with a little old lady. She was so sweet. I can, I can remember it like it was yesterday. We talked to her about the church, talked to her about the land, talked about what we wanted to do. And she said, I'm sorry, but when I die, my family can do what they want, but the land is not for sale. I've got developers, I've had Walmart, I've had all kinds of people talk to me about this ground. Debbie and I got in the car. We were driving. It was the winter. We were driving down 3rd Street and Ozark. Debbie said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to call the church to a three-day fast. 
We fasted for three days. Ten days later, the daughter of that lady called. She said, are you interested in the land? I said, we are, but your mother said she wouldn't sell it. She said, that's not what I asked. Are you interested in the land? I said, yes, we are. She said, then it is for sale only to you. That's the power of fasting. Fasting and prayer can bring a breakthrough. What would God do if you fast? The Bible gives us so many exciting realities about what happens when we fast. And so I'm going to go really fast, take notes, follow along on the app. But fasting makes a massive difference. The first thing fasting does is maybe one of the things that would be the last thing we would think about. Fasting humbles our soul. Fasting humbles our soul. Why is this important? Because God opposes the proud. He holds the proud at arm's length. He puts his hand up like this, but he gives grace to the humble. Fasting brings us to the end of ourselves, realizing there's nothing we can do in our own power to resolve a situation. But when we fast, we're, we've come to the end of our power and the beginning of God's. It's easy for us to fall in the trap of depending on ourselves. There are some high-powered people in this room. There are some people who say, you know what? When the going gets tough, the tough get going. There are some who are pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of people, and that's a great thing. And yet at the same time, all of us can find ourselves in times and places where no amount of creativity, no amount of ingenuity, no amount of perseverance will get the answer we need. It comes when you and I realize there are some things that are beyond us. There are some things that will only happen in the natural when we enter the supernatural through fasting and calling on God. In Ezra chapter 8 and verse 21, I love this story. Ezra was a teacher of God's word, a Levite. He's leading the Israelites back to the land of Judah. They've been allowed to return he says, there by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast. Why? So that we might humble ourselves before our God. What you're saying is you're saying, God, there are some things I cannot accomplish. There are some things that are beyond my power. And God, I need your help. And I'm looking to heaven. I want your help more than I want that meal. Humbling yourself before God and to ask him for a safe journey for us and our children and all our possessions. I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from the enemies on the road because we had told the king this. The gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him, but his great anger is against all who forsake him. You know what they've got with him? They give him all the articles from the, from the temple. He has $160 million in gold. He's got almost 16 million in silver. They're going to go and they're saying, we don't need a military escort. On a road that is known for having bandits. He's saying, if I humble myself and I, I fast and we pray, God's going to do something supernatural that will give us favor. Watch what happens. Verse 23, so we fasted and petitioned our God about this. And he answered 
our prayer. They needed God's help, so they humbled themselves with fasting and prayer. The psalmist says this in Psalm 35, I put on sackcloth and I humbled myself with fasting. Some of you are facing a situation, and honestly, and I'm not saying this in any way to be condescending, I'm saying because it's just how it is, and God is speaking to you right now, and he's calling you to fast, but here's what you thought. You're facing a situation, and the last thing that's entered your mind is that you would fast about it. But God has brought you today, either online or in one of the campuses, to hear this message because God is saying, you'll never solve it on your own. Humble yourself. You need my help. One construction business owner wrote this. Some of the owners and developers I work with are very demanding, and one called me on the phone and yelled, you guys are fired. He wasn't going to pay for the 50,000 worth of work we'd already done. Not only that, he said he was going to sue me to put his building back the way it was. The whole situation really put us in a bad place as a company, so we began seeking God in prayer. My pastor suggested that I try fasting, which I don't like because it means skipping eating and replacing it with praying. But I was so desperate, I decided to try it. As we prayed and fasted, I felt like God wanted me to humble myself. I didn't know what God meant, but I felt like I was to call the owner, so I got on the phone, and he grudgingly agreed to meet me face to face. As I drove over, I was praying, asking God to show me what to do. I walked in to find him still mad, yelling and cussing. When we sat down, I told him, I'm here to say I'm sorry for whatever miscommunications we had and whatever part my company played. I'd like to do the job, but I'd first like to just tell you I'm sorry. There was a complete silence in the room. He then said, I never wanted to fire you. I just got upset. I want you to do the job, and I appreciate you coming in here. That day, he offered a contract for my company to do an additional $3 million job. It never would have happened if I had not humbled myself with fasting. I'm just telling you, that's the power of a fast. Some of you are too strong. You're too smart. You're too creative for your own good because it's kept you from humbling yourself and saying, I'm going to fast and call on God. And when you do, you will see the heavens open in a way you never imagined. Number two, fasting secures God's favor in situations. Sometimes we just frankly need favor with people. One of the best examples biblically that, that I can think of is the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter one, we read this. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. What's he fasting for? He's gotten word that the walls of Jerusalem have been burned. For a hundred years, they've been trying to rebuild the walls. Stop time and time and time again. You know what happened? The people of Jerusalem got used to living in rubble. There are some here today, and you're used to the rubble in your life. You're just like, that's just how it is. It's just how it is in my family. It's just how it is in my marriage. It's just how it is with my kids. It's just how it is with my job. It's just how it is. It's just how my life grows. And you've gotten so used to the rubble 
that it's become normal to you. And what God wants to do is through fasting, he wants to work in your life to bring about a revolution, to bring about a renovation, to bring about a restoration that would change your life, but it'll begin with fasting. Nehemiah, what does he do? He hears about this, and rather than saying, oh, well, that's just how it's been, he's hundreds of miles away. He begins to fast, and when you read the account, you find that he fasts for four months, for four months. Now, I don't mean he's not eating for the entire four months, but he's regularly fasting and calling on God and saying, God, I need a breakthrough, and here's what he's asking for. He's going to go to the most powerful ruler of the day who has made a decree that Jerusalem's never to be rebuilt. He's going to go to him, and he's going to ask him to change his foreign policy. He's going to ask him to pay for the rebuilding. He's going to ask him to name him as the governor. He's going to ask him to send troops and letters and all kinds of things so it can happen. You know the end of the story. You know that Nehemiah did in 52 days what they couldn't do for 100 years, all because he was fasting and praying. Fasting takes the impossible and makes it possible. I'm not saying it's the only tool in our toolbox. I'm not saying it's the end-all, be-all. I'm just saying it is something incredibly powerful that can move you forward in ways nothing else would and can give you favor with people because he's going to need favor with the king. Here's part of what he prays. Verse 11, he says, O Lord, let your servant be attentive to the prayer. Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Scary thing to go to the king. Scary thing to ask if the king got up on the wrong side of the bed. It could not go well for you at all. He knows that. He goes in, he asks, and the king grants his request in an amazing way. Fasting can give you that kind of favor. I, I, I think about this story whenever I think about fasting because it made such an impression on me. And so if you've heard it before, uh, forgive me. If you haven't heard it, I hope it encourages you. When we were pioneering a church in Kansas City, we had about 30, 35 people, and we I knew we needed to get a piece of ground if we are going to go anywhere, and so there was this beautiful piece of ground. Today, I imagine that land's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. But I went to the farmer, talked to the farmer. The farmer wanted $335,000, and he said, here's what I'll do. If you give me, a, if you give me 100000 in the next 30 days, I'll carry the financing, and it was very favorable for us. I called our district told them about it. They acknowledged it was a great piece of ground. They said, you know, we just don't have 100000 to give you. I had 30, 35 people. I knew they wouldn't be able to do it. So I'm praying, and I'm asking the Lord what to do, and I'm driving down the highway, and I can still remember being on 435 and seeing some construction trucks in the distance and tractor trailers with the name of this electrical company on it. I'd never met the individual. I'd only heard of him. I'd heard that he was a believer, and I heard that he was generous toward kingdom cause. That's all I knew about him. So I felt like the Lord put in my heart to call his office and ask for an appointment to take him to breakfast. So I called, called his secretary, told him I was a pastor, like to meet with him. If he'd give me time, she set the date. I said it needs to be as quick as it can be. 
She set the time. It was 12 days away. I decided right then and there, I'm going to fast for the next 12 days. I'm not going to eat anything. I'm going to just drink water, and I'm going to seek the face of the Lord for favor with this man I've never met. I go to him at breakfast that morning, and we sit down after exchanging a few pleasantries. He says to me, so, pastor, what can I do for you? I say, you know, we got, I'm a pastor. We've planted a church. We've been going now for over a year, and we've got a situation where we really need land. I found land. And what I need is, I explained the terms, the financing I had available, but I said, I need $100,000 by next week. And so I was just meeting with you to see if you'd be willing to give it to me. <laughs> he did what you just did. <laughs> just so you understand, if you took inflation into account, that's like asking somebody today for a quarter million. So he said, well, he said, that's a bold request. I said, well, you're never going to embarrass a man by asking him for $100,000. And he said, no, I suppose not. He said, uh, don't you think your people should do something? I said, I do. He said, what do you think they can do? I said, you know, I got to have the cash by next week, so maybe 5000 bucks. I mean, maybe. He said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, you go see what they'll do, and here's my phone number. So I didn't, this before the days of cell phones. So like for those who are younger, it's kind of like right after the covered wagon days, you know. <laughs> so he gives me his, his home number and he says, after church, after you see what you got, you call me and then whatever you lack of the 100,000, I'll write you a check and you can come by and pick it up Sunday afternoon. I was like, okay, Sunday. You say, what happened? First of all, let me just remind you, fasting gave me with a favor, favor with a man I never met, willing to give me money that was crazy. That, that Sunday, I asked those 30 people without any prep. We didn't have any glossy brochures. We didn't have any fancy cards. We just said, here's the deal, people. What can you give? Those people gave $95,000. I was shocked. I couldn't believe it which is so much better than one person writing the check. I mean, everybody participated. So I called him. He said, hey, tell you what. He said, I'm, I'm, happy. I'm happy for you. Here's your $5,000. Come by, pick it up. And so fasting gives you favor. I don't know what kind of favor you need, maybe with a workplace supervisor, maybe with a neighbor and y'all aren't getting along. Maybe with an estranged family member. Maybe, maybe you need favor with somebody you know really well, like your spouse. And no elbows, please. <laughs> Fasting can change your marriage like that. You say, oh, that's just overly simplistic. Have it the way you will. I'm, I'm not against other ways of getting things done. I'm just saying sometimes maybe you've tried the other ways and they haven't worked. Or maybe God is saying, listen, if you'll look to me, I just, I just want a chance to show you how powerful I am. Number three, fasting helps us discern God's will. All of us need to know God's will at different times in our life. You see it in the Old Testament. You see it in the New Testament. The Old, New Testament, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, listen, when you're, when you're worshiping the Lord and you're fasting, get ready. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. And you're going to know it's him. 
He's going to direct you. He's going to guide you. When you and I are fasting, one of the ways he speaks, he just gives us insight into his plan. Here's Daniel in Daniel chapter 10, and he's got this great vision. He doesn't understand anything that, he mean, that it means. He's really trying to figure it out. So what does he do? He begins to fast, and he begins to pray. Look at it, Daniel chapter 10. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice or desirable food. No meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day, listen, he fasted for three weeks, and nothing happened until three days later, everything happened. You know, when you fast, you say, well, I fasted, I didn't see you. Wait, give God a chance to work. You know that in this case, there was a massive spiritual battle on the 24th day of the first month as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the river Tigris, so he gets his answer. In verse 10, we read this, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. Then he said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I have now been sent to you. I want to point out something to you. When you look at verse 3 and you look at verse 11, it says, I ate no choice food. The word there could be desirable food. He said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. You who are desirable. It could be translated like this. I ate no precious food, and I became the man who was viewed as precious. What good will it do to not eat a meal? Heaven will say, look at that. God will look at you in a way he didn't before. He loves everybody. Listen, his love's 24-7. He couldn't love you any more in eternity than he loves you now. But his favor is not the same on everybody. We do really well to recognize that. People have varying degrees of favor depending on whether they seek it and how they steward it. That determines how you and I function with God's favor. Well, number four, fasting gives us power to break demonic strongholds. I think in our Western civilization, we are adverse to recognizing the demonic unless it's some crazy thing like, like The Exorcist or, or movies of that genre. We have a tendency to depreciate the amount of spiritual activity and spiritual warfare that's going on around us. There are some things that happen in our life that are the direct result of demonic activity. Paul says this, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of darkness in the, in the high places. Demons is what he's talking about. How are you going to defeat them? I think it's true circumstantially. I also think it's true physically. Roughly one Fourth to one-third of the miracles in the Gospels involve demonic deliverance where, where the enemy is attacking somebody physically. Fasting can break that. In Matthew chapter 17, a father brought his little boy to Jesus and, and this boy was demonized and the disciples tried to heal him and when they couldn't, Jesus did and they, they asked Jesus later, why couldn't we do it? Watch what Jesus says. He replied, because you have so little faith. 
Let me just say this. Sometimes the problems that we face are bigger than our faith. And time with Jesus through fasting, that fellowship will increase your faith. The more of his presence on your life, the stronger your faith will be. This is, this, you can take that as a general principle of life. The more I have his presence on my life, the greater my faith will be to step out and believe him for things. This is what Jesus is saying. You know, this kind of only comes by fasting and prayer. A part of that is you have to spend more time in God's presence. You have to spend more time seeking his face if you want to have the faith that will solve your problems. As well, Jesus says this, but this kind, what was he talking about? This kind of demon. You know, listen, there are demonic beings of varying strength. I'm not suggesting anytime there's demonic activity, you have to fast. But there are sometimes only a fast will eradicate it. So Jesus said, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Fasting not only strengthens our faith, what it does is it increases our awareness of our authority. I don't think it necessarily increases somebody's authority. I think you have as much authority as you really believe in your heart you have. Because Jesus said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Now go. He's given us authority. It's just most people don't realize the authority they have or they don't know how to exercise the authority and therefore they don't do what they could. You could think of it in a, hermit, in a human sense like this. You could put somebody in a position of authority, but if they didn't know how to exercise the authority, would the authority help them? What's the answer? No. But when people know how to use their authority, when they understand their authority, then they're going to exercise it in a way that will bring about a result. And I'm simply suggesting to you that fasting does that. It increases our faith. It gives us a sense of who we are in God. Suddenly, we've humbled ourselves. We realize he's in charge. He's working through us. And to the degree that we sense that is the degree that we're able to exercise the authority that will bring the victory in the lives of people. There's some here today, just straight up. Your problem is not natural, it's supernatural. The answer is not natural, it's supernatural. And when you and I fast and pray, we are addressing the things of this life with the power of the supernatural. And it makes a massive difference. Some here today, the devil has a stronghold in your life. He has, you have allowed him through your thought life. You've allowed him through your actions. You've allowed him through what you think, what you view, what you do to get a foothold in your life. It's a stronghold. It didn't happen overnight. He built it block by block and brick by brick and stone by stone until finally he's got a castle. And you don't just get out of that without some power greater than him. Fasting is that power that breaks strongholds. Some are struggling with substance abuse, sensuality, 
pornography. For some, it's bitterness. It's anger. You got a temper that will not quit. For some, it's unforgiveness. And fasting will bring that breakthrough. Some of you have a stronghold in your relationships. You were hurt somewhere. And in your desire to protect yourself, you built a wall, not realizing that when you keep other people out, you lock yourself in. And it's ruined your relationships. Fasting could break that. Fasting could be the beginning of, of a new relational paradigm that would change your life because the enemy has been defeated. The stronghold has been broken. Some of you have sons and daughters who are, who are in, involved with drugs, are addicted to alcohol. I'm, I'm simple enough. And I'll say this, wise enough, to know the power of fasting relative to breaking those strongholds. God can set you free. Number five, fasting prepares us for new seasons of life and ministry. Think of this. Moses fasted 40 days before the law came. Be the beginning of a new season in his life when his face would glow with the glory of God. You better be strong to be able to handle that kind of glory. Elijah would fast for, for 40 days, and God would tell him, listen, I want you to select Elisha as your successor. Fasting enabled that transition. Jesus fasted for 40 days before he began his earthly ministry. Paul fasted after he was saved and began his ministry, and he fasted again in, in Acts chapter 13, and it was the start of global missions. Look at it. Acts 13, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting, you say, wait a minute, I thought they just fasted. They're going to fast some more. I'm just simply saying this is a part of a Christian's life. Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 6, when you fast, not if you fast. It's a, it's a discipline every Christian should exercise with some regularity. When you fast. Here, here they're fasting and praying. They laid their hands on them and sent them off and talk about a, the, a powerful ministry that ultimately you're sitting in this place today because of that. Fasting will move us forward in the purposes of God in a way that you and I can't begin to imagine with ramifications you and I cannot comprehend. Could they have possibly comprehended James River Church in the middle of a place called Missouri? No, but you can be sure where we are today is because of what they did then. I'm just simply saying there's some of you getting ready to enter a new season of life. Some of you are getting ready to go away to college. Some of you are getting ready to start a new job. Some of you are, are getting ready to start a life together as a married couple. This is a time to fast. Some of you are starting a new school year. I, I, I would suggest to every, every teacher Every administrator, boy, what a time to fast. Whether you, I don't care if you're working in a Christian college. Maybe you ought to fast more. I'm just saying, new seasons, new challenges. We need new power. We need new wisdom. We need new insight. We need new blessing. We need new favor. We need, we need, we need those new mercies every single day. Fasting prepares us for new seasons of life. Number six. 
Fasting can bring healing. In Isaiah chapter 58, Isaiah, speaking for the Lord, describes a fast God desires. A fast that not only, not only recognizes the need to abstain from food, but recognizes the needs of others while you're doing it. And in Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 8, then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Fasting can result in healing. And I think for all the reasons we've talked about, that's true. But can I just suggest to you that I think there's something about fasting that, on the one hand, we could say strengthens our faith, but I think there is a, I'm going to use a term that I think speaks to a deeper issue than just stronger faith, perfecting our faith. I think there are this is my observation. I think after two and a half years reading all the testimonies, watching things, studying healing, talking to people used in healing, and I certainly don't pretend to be an expert, but I have drawn some conclusions that I think are valid. There are a number of people who have experienced uh, healings that you would call partial healings. And I think in many cases, the healing is there, but there is an unperfected or imperfected faith, and when the faith catches up with what God's already willing to do, there'll be healing. And God wants to heal you. As I, as I prepared this week and thought about this, I really feel as a word from the Lord. There are many of you who have been, have experienced partial healing, and God's going to complete it in Jesus' name as you fast. That God's going to do something in you physically that your healing will quickly appear in Jesus' name. Fasting brings healing. I think we're going to see God do things in the coming weeks and months we have never seen. And again, it'll go back to this time of seeking the Lord. Debbie and I feel that in our heart to a great degree. We had a discussion last night sitting outside just talking about fasting, what it's doing in our life, what, it, what we think it's doing in the church, what we think God is doing, and how we think God is working, and what we're seeing. And I just, I just really feel this fast is exceptionally critical for where we're at as a church, that, that it is going to break through some things that are going to result in God doing extraordinary things we've not yet seen. Number seven, fasting gives us a greater awareness of God's presence. Something about getting alone with him. There's something about fasting quiets your heart. It silences the noise of the world so you hear the voice of God. In fact, there's something about fasting that brings God's presence close in an unusual way. We were, again, talking about that last night. I kid a lot about, you know, the things you miss when you're not eating and, and all, but if I'm, if I'm telling you just gut-level honest what I think of fasting, every time I come to the end, I'm sad. Because the food never tasted as good as I thought it would. But more than that, there's something about dialing into the presence of God that when the fast is over, I miss what I experienced. Because there's something about fasting that brings heaven near your heart and home in a unique way. 
Isaiah puts it this way. I love this. He talks about healing. He says, then your light will break forth like dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Do you know what that's saying? Let's put it in, in our vernacular. It means then God will have your back. Want God to have your back? Fast. So I wish somebody had my back. Fast. God will have it. And then you can't do any better than that. Fasting does something. It brings God's protection, God's attention, God's power, but most of all, his presence. And it, it brings a, a nearness to him that's unusual. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You see, when you fast, you're calling. Some of you are like, why doesn't he answer? Why doesn't he answer? Fast. And you shall cry for help. And he will say, here I am. I'm right here. Some of you are like, where's God? And when you start to fast, he's going to say, I'm right here. You're going to hear his voice. You're going to sense his presence. Can I just say this? An empty stomach is one of the most powerful postures from which you can pray. You can get on your face, you can get on your knees. But there's something about an empty stomach. Matthew Henry, the commentator from the, from the 16th century said, there are some things that won't happen until we take King's stomach off the throne and put King Jesus back on it. Something happens when you and I fast. So we give more of ourselves to God. He's going to give more of himself or reveal more of himself to us. As we press in like never before, we're going to experience him like never before. And that's why this fast is so important. And that's why this is such a great opportunity. Because honestly, I found this. I can fast by myself, but there's something when all of us are fasting and we're doing it as a body, I think there's a strength that God gives the body. And this is a time, if you've never fasted, to try it. And this is a time for everybody to jump in and say, God, I just want to be in your presence. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do because God honors fasting. It's the record of scripture. It's the testimony of my own life. I can tell you, after 40 plus years, I've never, ever fasted without seeing God do something significant.